Hello everyone, welcome to Cracking Addiction. My name is Dr. Fergal Armstrong and we have with us today Dr. Laura Petracek. So Laura, I thought today we'll talk about the 11th step out of the 12-step program. So what is the 11th step? The 11th step, Fergal, is we sat through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understand God, praying only for knowledge of God's will for that, for us, and the power to carry that out. There's a lot in there, isn't there? Now, just for the sake of context, we, we've been on a, a journey. So at step nine, we made amends. Step 10, what did we do? We continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Right. So step nine, make amends. Step 10, self-reflection, introspection about our own behavior. And then now this is a reconnection with or recontact with the higher power. Well, I wouldn't necessarily so, say a recontact. The uh, higher power is a thread that is woven throughout the 12 steps hmm. and it never is a foundation. It's never. Yeah. yeah. But it, nonetheless, it is specifically mentioned in this step. It is not specifically mentioned in all the steps, is it? No, it's not. Yeah. This is like a laser All right. focus. Sorry? It's a laser focus. It's specifically. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So so and and so it seems to me as if really you know, when we think about a, a personal journey of recovery, you know, you you get to the stage where really you're going to have to be doing this almost in conjunction with step 10 for you know, every day on a daily basis, wouldn't you? It's not something you can just, you know, do and forget and move on. No, it's really more not necessarily in conjunction with step 10, but uh, integrated into your daily recovery practice. So they yeah. recommend starting each day with a prayer or meditation or some type of uh, connection with a power greater than yourself. Mm. Right. To- so let's talk about that. What 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 can you what what can people do? What do people do? You know to actually manifest this step. Well, like for example, myself. There's two meditation books I read. One is Each Day a New Beginning, which is not necessarily based on the twelve step, but it's uh, a meditation book. And another one is um, Codependent No More, looking more codependency but people have different meditation books some people just read right out of the big book or 12 steps that uh i maybe did that in the first few months of recovery but after a while i i felt i needed something deeper and that Mm -hmm. wasn't so competitive um and then meditating I could last of like five minutes meditating. So I, that's what I do. But some people, or a lot of people meditate for a lot longer, but it's, not, it's a challenge for me to sit in the chair there. So. Right. Because it does say, sought through prayer and meditation. I mean, that's those are the first line, words of the step. You know, do, do you, if you can't meditate, do you pray? If you can't pray, if you're, you know, what, I'm, I'm interested into how this looks on a daily basis. Well, 
like, as I stated, uh, you know, there's hundreds now of different meditation books that people could read. Yeah. Uh, I also journal as a form of meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then right. reading different uh, materials that speak to you, or now there's also like a thousand apps for meditation. But you could also walk. Walking is a form of meditation. Mm-hmm. Uh, nature is, you know, the great outdoors, G-O-D. So taking a walk in the morning or taking a walk in nature, if you're lucky enough to live by a nature, um, that's a way mm-hmm. of meditating. Right. And according to the 11th step, the whole point about this exercise is to is to improve our conscious contact with God as we understand him. What does that mean? I think it means, uh, firstly, to get out of our own head mm-hmm. and try to drop down from your intellect to... Uh, your consciousness or um, unconscious as it were Mm -hmm. uh, getting quiet just turning off the noise in your mind and trying Mm -hmm. to focus instead on what's going on in uh, your gut and in your heart so, and as, of course, we've said this before, God does not necessarily need to be the Judeo-Christian God. It can be, as you've said before, the great outdoors war, whatever, whatever keeps you grounded into a greater organization than yourself or something greater than yourself. Is that, have I, have I got that right? Or is there, is there a nuance that I'm missing there? No, you have it right. It's uh, power our entity greater than ourselves. So moving on, so praying only for knowledge of his will for us. That's that's very, very Judeo-Christian. It is Judeo-Christian. I mean, you know, the whole program is based on Judeo-Christian uh, by the men who founded it in the 30s. Mm. So there's no keeping that. That's the... Uh, base. That's the grounding. Uh, But it has since evolved in terms of um, people in recovery, you know, finding other ways that a higher power speaks to them. Because for a lot of people, they walk in the rooms and they see these steps on the wall and they turn right back around and walk out. Um, Mm -hmm. Because God mentioned so many times and it turns people off, especially if they've had a negative experience in church, which unfortunately a lot of people have. Um, but one thing uh, that kind of jumps out to me with this particular phrase is uh, praying only for knowledge for God's will for us. So a lot of people, when they're active in their addiction or alcoholism, such as I was, we really used only God as uh, like a uh, let's say a soldier in a foxhole, like, just please get me out of this alive. And, you know, I'll never Mm. do this. And so those were the type of prayers. Um, I remember I, uh, just got in this horrible 
accident and situation. And I was like, okay, just please get me out of this and don't get me, get, I don't want to be arrested and I'll never drink or do drugs again. And I think it was three hours later, I met up with friends and, you know, they were like, oh my God, you're all over the news. And, you know, I said, okay, just give me a drink. So, you know, there's a lot of prayers that happen in the foxhole for people still actively mm. and using, but this prayer um, or this focus is more, what is my higher powers will for me? Because even after we get clean and sober, or even for, I think, people in general, it's like saying prayers for me. Help me win the lottery. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, help me, you know, I want to win this uh, prize. You know, we don't focus on our higher power's will for us. We focus on what's our will that we want the higher power to grant us. So yes. yeah. it's yeah. really a different focus. And it's hard because we usually have our little Christmas list of what we want from a higher power and not um, uh, what our higher power's will is for us. So I suppose really is the difference between, you know, please, can I win the lottery to please, can I have guidance as to how I should live my life? Yeah. Or some simple ways that I've learned through the years is how can I be of service today? Mm. Um, who do you want me to talk to? Who do you want me to see? How would you like me to be? You know, some kind of simple guiding prayers like that instead of me, 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 me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I've heard it said elsewhere that really it's the difference between hedonism and, or, or pleasure and contentment, whereas pleasures we're talking all about taking. Uh, whereas contentment is all about giving, you know, and, and to actually be able to give to the world is a, is, a, is a great reason for existence and actually provides a much more foundational uh, contentment that allows us to survive in the world. So I suppose it aligns with this idea of becoming a giver of, in society rather than a taker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how to give so, back, being of service. Yeah. yeah. And the final phrase the power to carry that out. Talk to me, what does that mean? The power, the uh, strength, the willingness, the fortitude, the um, willingness, uh, wanting to. So it depends. Mm. For some people, it's more a matter of willingness and getting over uh, what we want, mm. getting over that hump. But for other people, it's more, I mean, myself included, like just give me the power to make it through the next hour, you know, or the next, or this day. So mm. for some people, it's on a different level. Um, yeah, yeah, it just depends where they are mentally and emotionally and psychologically. And I suppose it's the power really on a daily basis to stay on the path of recovery and to, to, to make the right choice. And I suppose within that, there is the, the need for discernment of what is the right choice. Yeah. So there, and that's true. It is, you know, what, what is the right choice? Because we could uh, delude ourselves a lot of times as to what really the right choice is. So, 
getting in touch with, um, you know, our intuition and uh, kind of intuit what's the right way to go. And that's Mm. where getting quiet and doing meditation, I think, helps facilitates that process instead of, Mm. you know, overthinking things as a way to solve a problem instead of being quiet and meditate and receive Mm. instead of trying to figure it out ourselves what the next step should be. So I suppose the discernment of, of the right choice really is the, the earlier phrase within the 11th step, which is praying for knowledge of his will for us. I mean, you could rewrite almost that uh, as a statement of, you know, being still and quiet and connecting with our own intuition to know what, a, what the right choice is. Yeah. And I would say yeah. God's make it non-gender neutral. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's an interesting point. You know, how would you rewrite this phrase or this step to, to make it more inclusive of people with, with, with different views in life, with different practices in life? Well, I would say God instead of he or him or his. I think I told you the women's step group that I'm in, they just basically do all the he's or his and their she or her. And then other people, even that doesn't necessarily work for them, especially now there's non-binary. And I don't know exactly how that would be written out, but someone's going to do it. So that'll be a good thing. Can you give us an example, perhaps a story of someone else, or maybe even a story from your own story, from your own history about how this step has actually fundamentally help someone stay the journey and, and to maintain their journey in, um, in recovery and sobriety? Well, I think on a daily basis, um, you know, the God's will for us is to stay clean and sober or for me or for people in recovery. So that is kind of a basic prayer. Um, mm-hmm. Help me stay clean and sober today. And then at the end of the day, thank you. Um, and then this prayer can be used, you know, from little act. Well, I would say it's a little action to help stay, to stay clean and sober. But let's say, uh, should I go to this grocery store or should I have that for dinner? Two really big decisions in life. Um, like, is this the right person for me? Um you know, am I supposed to have a child? Uh, am I supposed to move? Should I take this job? Those are harder things to really get a read on, I think, because, you know, God doesn't really, it's a one-way street, I mean, for the most part. So mm-hmm. it's a tough one to untangle. What's the right way to go? So what, what are the practical tips and that you can offer in terms of actually having to do this daily process. I mean, how do you actually incorporate it into your into your life? Well, as I stated in the beginning, you know, reading different meditation books, journaling, mm-hmm. doing the five do you, minutes. Do you make a specific time of the day to think about or meditate on these issues? As soon as I wake up. If yeah. I don't do it as soon as after I wake up, it's it's foregone. It's not happening. You know, sometimes right. I'll journal at night, late at night, but otherwise the meditation and reading the meditative books 
if it doesn't happen mm-hmm. in the moment, it's not going to happen. Yeah, and that's when most people do it. There's a lot of belief in in, in the twelve step programs, and in particular, there's a lot of belief in this uh, in this eleven step skepticism. To what extent does being a skeptic impede engagement with this step and impede, for instance, recovery? It impedes recovery in that you're being defiant or it can be seen as an act of defiance and uh, closing the door, being willful. And so all those behavior, well, a lot of those behaviors are similar to when we're drinking and doing drugs. And then we have that, if we bring that attitude, which we do when we first come in, I think, um, it, it just makes things harder, I think. I mean, for some people, uh, you know, there's um, AA meetings for agnostics or atheists. Mm-hmm. So this uh, step wouldn't apply. They wouldn't use this step at all. Um mm-hmm. And, and so if they wouldn't use this step, what would they do on, on, for an 11th step? Um, so they rewrite it in a very generic um, uh, how should I say um, just non it's not focusing on God or religion hmm. um, I don't know off the top of my head how they did, uh, rewrote it, but they I know they did, though. Mm. Um, so, you know, those people are doing fine. They're staying clean and sober. Uh, mm. yes. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, one of the issues that I have is, is meeting patients who feel that their suffering is unique and that no one else can truly understand their suffering and therefore there's no point in actually um, in actually engaging with it with a 12 step process or being part of a recovery community and mm-hmm. you know that for me is a manifestation of skepticism really that they think they can do it on their own and or perhaps that they are beyond redemption and i was you know as i read the 12 this this 11th step and i'm i'm thinking about these individuals or one individual in particular and I wish there was a way that I could have told this individual that really there is a better way for you to live your life, but it is all about connection with something outside yourself. But that individual was, was far too skeptic about his chances of recovery and their, um, their need for social connection, or let alone connection with anything other other than the you know the, the immediate physical world I think one of the first premises of uh, being a therapist is meet the client where they're at and mm. join them so validating how he feels and that maybe this program isn't for him and uh, you know I hear that you feel like your background uh, that you are, uh, your background is unique and you have been through a lot of pain and heartache that uh, I mean, other people haven't experienced. Um, 
And so joining them in that regard and really being uh, empathetic to their pain and suffering. And then maybe after that, I would, uh, not necessarily in that session, but subsequent sessions, you know, explore other ways. So maybe, you know, connection, that's key, uh, as you stated. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Does it have to be the 12 steps? No. Um, mm. There's many ways that people can make connection and, um, you know, I mean, I have a client, that's going to sound kind of funny, but, um, or maybe not. Anyway, she just, the, the steps just weren't for her. We tried different meetings and anyway, but she started playing pickleball and then she just fell in love with that. And she has a whole group there and she looks forward to seeing them every day. And that's working for her. She's making connection. And again, I think that's the bottom line with recovery is making connection uh, because when we're taking a drink or a drug, we're blocking off connecting with people. And connection is really the bottom line in terms of recovery, connecting with other people. Mm. Sober and she seems happy. So mm-hmm. go. Why not? I don't know. So, <laughs> so to um, what extent we're talking about connection, but you know, throughout the 12 steps, there is the, the role of the sponsor. To what extent is the connection with the sponsor uh, important for, for this step? Well, I think it's important to, especially, you know, like I stated, a lot of people are skeptical about religion or, you know, just not laid down for it. Um, So uh, a sponsor could help them. uh, They could reframe it for them or or a sponsor a lot of time will say, well, this is what worked for me. I'm not going to tell you what worked for you, but this is what worked for me. And this is how I work the step. And so a lot of times that helps sponsees because most people who have alcohol or substance use disorder, the last thing they want is someone to tell them what to do. But if you focus on yourself as a sponsor, like this is what worked for me, sponsees are more apt to hear it and then take your direction. All right. So one final message of hope. What would you say about the 11th step? Um, You know, I totally forgot to bring or to mention the 11th step prayer which is St. Francis of Assisi. And that prayer a lot of times has been uh, explained or or used to explain the 11th step in its entirety. Mm. Uh, So God, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me show love. Where there is wrong, the spirit of forgiveness. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is error, truth. And it, it really, it, uh, to me, it's not so much a religious prayer as kind of how to live prayer or live right. better. You know, you're focusing on helping others than yourself. You're focusing on forgiving others than being forgiven. Um, so uh, I, I like to say it when I'm walking. It's a nice meditative type of prayer. Yeah. Laura, I want to thank you for your wisdom today, and I look forward to chatting with you again very shortly. Thank you. Thank you, Fergal. That's all for today, folks. My name is Dr. Fergal Armstrong, and this has been Cracking Addiction. Cracking Addiction.